This is HiFam. I'm Avital. Let's talk about anti-fragility. If you have a sense of growing concern about the world at large, about things like geopolitical changes, about the recession, about the war, about viruses, then you're not alone. I think there has been a meteoric rise in anxiety, in depression, in all sorts of mental health afflictions that have been correlated pretty directly to the big shifts and changes that the world has undergone over the last two or three years. And for us parents, that can really influence our sense of security and safety and our ability to raise our children well and raise them with a sense of confidence and calm and just really basic safety in the world. I know that for so many parents today and children and youth, anxiety is something that they struggle with on a regular and rather crippling basis. And if you are feeling these concerns and worries and fears around what might happen in the future, what might happen to your family about your family's ability to withstand challenges that might be coming your way or your child's uh, ability to withstand those, then I want to tell you that you're so not alone, that that is something that I think is universally felt. You know, if you kind of just tap into the pulse at the moment, I think everybody is really apprehensive, worried, or even really cripplingly anxious and fearful about the things that might go wrong. And and maybe for you, it's more personal than those big themes. Maybe you're worried about something particular in your family, uh, a rocky marriage, financial downturn, a diagnosis, um, any of the things that we go through as families that we have to face, that we have to weather, right? Storms that come our way. Today's generation of parents are so much more sensitive to their children, right? We're so much more aware of psychological processes of children's vulnerability, of the importance of mental health, of the long-lasting effects of adversity in childhood. And we're so much more sensitive to our children's emotional well-being. And I think that is a wonderful thing, right? We want to be parents who are sensitive and aware and attuned to our children's basic needs, uh, psychological needs, as well as all the other needs as well. And so I think that's a wonderful thing. But I think it's also veered too far in the direction of fragility. In the incredible book, and this is a must read, I know I always say that, but if you haven't read it, grab it now, The Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff. They talk about these three great untruths that today's youth are being told. And one of those untruths is the idea that what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Today's young people have been growing up being told that anything that makes them uncomfortable, anything that they dislike, anything that isn't within their preference is somehow traumatizing. It's somehow damaging. It's somehow going to leave a lasting mark on them. And it's going to lead them to be even more hurt and broken and fragile. And this is such a damaging idea because when you see someone as fragile, they tend to be so. When someone sees themselves as fragile, it tends to make them so. And we are actually raising our children today with the self-concept of fragility, that somehow they can't read books 
that are are confronting, that they can't hear words that are offensive, that they can't withstand debate or disagreement or even just in-depth conversations. You see this on college campuses in things like safe spaces and trigger warnings, which have actually been proven to be counterproductive. They actually increase the sense of emotional and psychological insecurity and danger. The more that you treat people as fragile, the more fragile they actually become. So in you know, all of these adults' efforts to protect children's well-being, to prevent uh, emotional and psychological breakdowns, they are actually increasing the mental health crisis in our youth and young people by treating them as fragile. When we see people as though they are made out of glass, right, as though they are these precious snowflakes, as though that they might crumble under the slightest bit of pressure, what happens is that they begin to see themselves those ways and they begin to heighten their sensitivity towards anything that they might consider an affront. You see this in the term, for example, microaggression. Right Now, today's young people on college campuses are concerned not with aggression, right, but with microaggression. And they're actually being trained to see and take offense in anything, whether it was intended or not. Now, you contrast that with the really big, you know, genuinely traumatic and frightening things that are going on in the world, such as the war, for example. And you see how... These young people who are very, very used to comfort, who are very used to having every need met, who are very used to being honored and respected and taken care of, and even having their every whim met, you see how they are increasingly and catastrophically, devastatingly fragile in the face of adversity and challenge. And that contrast is very, very jarring to someone like me, right? It worries me tremendously. And we see it in the rise of mental health breakdown. It is drastic. There are many other things that are contributing to this fragility as well. I think social media and particularly TikTok is one of those things. And just a side note here, that is why my children will never have TikTok um, and we will delay social media, you know, as late as possible. But There are many of the trends that you see in social media that are also increasing people's fragility, right? Increasing their narcissism, increasing their inflated sense of ego and decreasing their capacity to withstand and tolerate differences of opinion uh, or really anything that they find uncomfortable, anything that they perceive as a threat in any kind of way. We see this in the conflation between words and violence, right? The idea that words can be violent. This is also part of the concept creep, right? We know that today people use words like trauma or trigger or psycho. Uh, They use them in a way that wouldn't have been appropriate 10 years ago, right? It's now trauma is anything that I don't prefer, anything that I don't like, 
right? So if once a trauma had a clear definition and it actually had to be psychologically traumatic and out of the ordinary, now, you know, someone not holding the door open for me or someone holding the door open for me, it can be classified as traumatic. And when people classify such, you know, mundane, trivial things as traumatic in their own brains, they're actually triggering their psychology to respond as though they have been traumatized. And so the level of things that are going to, you know, constitute a trauma in their own personal subjective experience has increased tenfold. And that makes them particularly fragile and susceptible to breaking down over, you know, just basic day-to-day things, just things that happen to everyone all the time. So I want to introduce one of the concepts that I find to be the most powerful concept when it comes to parenting. And this is kind of part of this series where I'm introducing you to the high fam way of life, as it were, the high fam approach, the high fam um, methodology, the, the belief system, the, the mission that we're on here at high fam. One of the missions that I am on is to encourage anti-fragility. So what is anti-fragility? Hey, We'll be right back to the show, but real quick, I need to ask you, do you want to know how I kept my day job, started a side hustle and built my business from scratch while birthing, feeding, raising and schooling my five children at home? Well, there are many things that go into it, but the key that made the most difference by far is that my children play independently for hours at a time. No, they are not unicorn children. There's nothing special about them, although they are special to me. All children are designed to play independently for hours a day. Yeah, even yours. But in our culture, play has been stolen, which is tragic because play is so good for kids and also such a breather for us adults. If your child is clinging, reliant on screens or on you for entertainment, you need to check out my new free masterclass, How to Transform Your Home into a Play-Inducing Haven. In it, I will break down how to get your child playing independently with the play zones that every child needs. Go to reclaimplay.com forward slash haven. Okay, back to the show. Well, the best way I have heard to describe this concept is to understand that there are some substances that are fragile, right? Like those kids who have been taught to take offense at everything. They're very fragile. They break under pressure. So think about something like glass, for example, a thin sheet of glass with just a little bit of pressure. It's going to smash into small smithereens, right? It's going to break. So there are fragile substances and they break under pressure. And then there are strong substances or not fragile substances, right? And this might be something like steel, for example. Under enough pressure, of course, steel will also break. But steel is strong and you can put quite a lot of pressure on it. It can withstand a lot of pressure and it won't break. And you can, you know, use that analogy, that metaphor to imagine a kid who can handle quite a lot without breaking. But then there are anti-fragile substances. And anti-fragile substances not only do not break under pressure, but they actually get stronger under pressure. They need stress. They use stress as an exercise to grow. They actually need to be put under the test, right? Put under uh, the pressure in order to strengthen 
So we have many systems like that that we can draw from. For example, our immune system. We know from research that if children grow up in a completely sterile environment, if they are not exposed to enough allergens and irritants and germs, then their immune system is actually compromised. It actually weakens without the stresses. Our children, their immune system, needs to be exposed. The exposure is incredibly important. There was some really interesting research that came out of Israel, where there are very, very, very low, almost unheard of records of peanut allergies. People were trying to figure out why are there so many peanut allergies in the States and so few peanut allergies in Israel. And one of the things that they discovered was that there is a very common snack in Israel called bamba, which is puffed peanuts. And it's a very common first snack for young babies because it's kind of soft and easy to chew. And so what they understood from this was that it was the exposure to peanuts. It was the fact that all Israeli babies are getting this snack and eating this snack very early that actually strengthens the immune system, exposes them to the allergen and makes them less, not more, but less likely to be allergic by a long way. Children are less likely to develop asthma if they are exposed to dust and irritants uh, early on, right? If they get to play in the mud, if they get to play with sand, all of the exposures that they need to have early on in life are actually those that provide their immune system with the opportunity to struggle and to strengthen. Another great example is muscles. If muscles aren't put under pressure, if muscles aren't exercised, if we don't use them, then we lose them. Muscles that don't experience stresses atrophy. They get weaker. They actually die. We actually lose the muscle mass when we're not using our muscles in a way that strains us in a way that stresses us, in a way that we actually have to exert ourselves. It's actually supposed to be hard, right? When you lift heavy things, your muscles grow stronger, not weaker, stronger. This is our great mistake as parents. Today, we are seeing our children as fragile, as units that actually get weaker under pressure, not stronger. And when we see them this way, it becomes so. We are actually making them weaker by avoiding exposure to difficult things. Now, there is such a thing as too much exposure. Of course, if you, you know, drop a hundred pounds on your muscles and you're not ready for it and you're not strong and you can't do it, then of course they're going to tear. They're going to break. You know, if you get hit with a virus that your immune system can't cope with, it can, it can take you down, right? There is such a thing as too much stress, but there is absolutely such a thing as not enough stress, right? There is such a thing as overexposure, but there is absolutely such a thing as not enough exposure. So if you're there thinking, oh no, my child has to deal with X, Y, Z, or our family has to go through this challenge, right? And you're thinking it's going to break us, then you are seeing yourselves as fragile you're seeing yourselves like a sheet of glass that gets broken under pressure. And I want to invite you to start to see your entire family unit, yourself, your child, 
your marriage, your connections, your bond, your family, whatever that constitutes, your family unit, I want you to see it as anti-fragile. I want you to realize that whatever challenges and adversities come your way, they can be a catalyst for growth, for becoming stronger together, for actually growing those muscles, growing that immunity, coming out not weaker, not broken, but strengthened by the stresses. It is common knowledge, and I'm sure you've experienced this, that when people go through something difficult together, it actually bonds them stronger or it can do if they allow it to go that direction, right? When you've been through something difficult with a friend, even even something just as as mundane as watching a horror movie can bond people together. Having that, you know, that fear and going through that roller coaster, that wild ride of emotions together makes us have this kind of brotherhood, this kind of bond, and it strengthens the connection if you let it. Now, of course, if you're turning towards each other and blaming each other or tearing each other down or uh, treating the adversity as something to be competitive over or be disconnected over, if you're retreating into your shell, if you're blocking people out, then it might weaken you, right? Many marriages crumble in the face of, say, financial downturn or adversities because they aren't turning towards each other and allowing it to strengthen the bond. They're making it weaken the bond. But that's because they're seeing their relationship as fragile, as incapable. So I want to invite you to raise your expectations of your family unit, of your child, of yourself. And remember that you can do hard things. Tattoo that on your forehead. You can do hard things. I always remember the common line that doulas often say during birth. You know, there's always that moment in a birth where a woman starts saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. And in that moment, a doula will often say, you are doing it. You are doing it. This is happening. It's not a question of can I or can't I, you just are. And that is a very anti-fragile approach. The term anti-fragility was coined by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. And he says, this is the tragedy of modernity. As with neurotically overprotective parents, those trying to help are often hurting us the most. That is from his book, Anti-Fragile, Things That Gain From Disorder. He also says, some things benefit from shocks. They thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stresses, and love, adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. And finally, difficulty is what wakes up the genius. So I want to invite you not to just be resilient in the face of this adversity and challenge, not just to resist the shocks, but to get better through the shocks, to wake up the genius of your family, to actually avoid being overprotective, to avoid hurting our family by seeing our family as fragile, but instead to benefit from the exposure to volatility, to randomness, to disorder, to stresses, to love the adventure, to love the risk, to love the uncertainty. When I get hit with anxious thoughts, I like to turn them around and say, yes, I'm alive. 
come on, let's do this. Let's seize this. Let's, let's bring it on. Let me allow this challenge to make me stronger. Let me allow this downturn, this difficulty, this volatility, this uncertainty, this chaos to awaken within me greater love, unconditionality, compassion, strength, creativity. Let it bring out my values. Let it put me under a stress test. Let it put our family's bonds under a stress test and let us pass that test with flying colors and come out stronger on the other side. Let me use this as a compression chamber that's going to bring us closer, tighter, stronger together. In order to be anti-fragile, you need to decide that your family in 100% of the cases is going to grow stronger, not weaker, due to the adversity. That is what we believe here in HiFam. Together, you'll get stronger. So if you're listening to this as it drops, then really soon in April, we're going to be opening the doors to the HiFam membership. And if you want to be surrounded with other parents who want to develop a strong, unbreakable family and get the exact how-to strategies, the accountability, the guidance, and the community support to reach those anti-fragile levels, then consider joining us there. And meanwhile, I want you to face those challenges, those adversities, those anxieties with a sense that they are there for you. They're not happening to you. They are there for you, for your ultimate growth and strength. Thanks for listening today. And if you found this episode useful, interesting, if you found yourself agreeing or disagreeing, use this to spark a conversation with your loved ones and share this with a friend who is also building an anti-fragile family.